it was too dark for him to see that instead of picking up his belt, around him, if he looked around, he found the snake. He picked up the snake. Uh-huh, and he put it around him. He puts it around him like a belt, he doesn't realize. And the snake, after a while, started to wiggle. He untangled himself and just walked away without hurting him. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pray Hard, Play Hard YouTube channel and podcast. If you're watching and listening, thank you very much for being here. Please drop a like. Smash that like button. And uh, hopefully... For free. Hopefully you find this informative and... Entertaining. That's right. Uh, please recommend and enjoy. All right. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Tetzave. Mm-hmm. And t- starts off talking about... We're just going to go quick summary of the Parsha. It's pretty straightforward. It talks about lighting the menorah, what you have to use for the menorah, which is Shemen Zayzach, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Pure olive oil. And it talks about afterwards the process of Aaron and his sons becoming Kahanim mm-hmm. and what they had to do in order to become Kahanim, the initiation, there was a bunch of different things. Um, the reasons the why Moshe Rabbeinu was, was left out in this uh, Parsha, out of all the Parshas. It says, it doesn't say, right. Is it this Parsha? This is the Parsha that he's left out? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. I, Right, that's because he said Mechenina Mesifrecha, right, to to, mm-hmm. to erase me, and then um, it talks about so they had to bring Karbanis, you know, they they wore the clothing, so it talks about the entire process of them becoming the Kohenim mm-hmm. and what they needed to do, and at the end, it talks about the Keteris, about first of all the Mizbeach that's meant to be built for the Keteris specifically, and nothing else can can go on it. Its dimensions, what it's made out of. And the Keteris itself, the, the incense that was offered every day in the base of Migdash. And that's the uh, summary of the parsha. I might have missed uh, a detail or two, many details, but uh, that's, the, that's the gist of it. But th- this was done uh, by the Mishkan, not the Beit of Migdash. The Beit of Migdash wasn't built yet. Correct, but all these things were present uh, in the base of Migdash as well. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about is. It's kind of interesting. Um, it's an interesting answer. There's a well-known question. And there's many answers, but the answer over here. First, I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask the question. The question is like this: So, by Parshas Beha'aleicha, which is much later on, Parshas Bamidbar. Mm-hmm. So it says Beha'aleicha, and there's two reasons why it says to go up. Why does it say going up when you light the menorah? In our parsha, it says Lehaleisner um, Tamid, right? To 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 raise up. For an existing flame, mm-hmm. for 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 a constant flame, and then Baalei's Chasanerius it also says to go up. So it, it always says, it always uses a, a term of of rising. So Rashi here just says the one reason, which is why that when you light the candle, you have to wait until it's fully lit, um, lit and rising. Fire rises on its own. It's fully rising on its own. Meaning, you shouldn't you shouldn't take the the flame. That you're kindling with away until it's it's fully lit and fully formed and rising on mm-hmm. its own. So that's the that's the Torah is telling us. But it doesn't say the second reason. Rashi doesn't mention the second reason in this parasha, which he does mention in Baalitha, which is also that there were stairs to go up. So there why does stairs it, or, or there were there or, were small it was a ramp. It was no no no. The, so the Mizbeach can't have stairs. Right. But the, the menorah had s- small little oh, stairs. steps. Like okay. tiny little stairs. Yeah, like, like the, the, you see it in, in the illustrations of the Besa Mikdash. Mm-hmm. You'll see, you know, stairs in front of the menorah to, to walk up. Mm-hmm. So an interesting answer is that um, Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who lit the menorah in the beginning. In this parsha, it was him who was lighting. He did all this. And Moshe Rabbeinu was very tall. He was ten almost tall. Right. So he didn't need to go up the stairs. But Baha'u'llah is talking to who? To Aaron. Uh-huh. And Aaron was shorter, and therefore he needed to go upstairs. He was much shorter? So we're actually going to see where he I mean, they are brothers. So, yeah, it is, it's an interesting. There's, there's a discussion about, I don't know how much, I don't know if he was very, very short, but he was, he was short, definitely shorter than Misha. Okay, yeah. Now, um, 
there's a very interesting story here, which is a conversation between two people, and, and it's kind of comical. Um, and I didn't want to come to any like any any conclusions. Just the story is as it is. So Rabbi Tzvi Hirsh of Zidichev asked the Bnei Sachar. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he saw in a machzer, I guess it was a Pesach machzer, a drawing of Moshe and Aaron. Moshe was very tall in the front, okay. and Aaron was short and stocky, like wide. Like, <laughs> okay. Right? <laughs> okay. So he asked him, was that, was that, by, like, did he have a, a source for doing that, or is it just stop? Like, he was saying, where did this guy get uh-huh. the idea to draw Moshe and Aaron that way? And he answered him, we know that our uh, Moshe was tall because we know it says he was Tanamas because he actually draped the, the Ureas, the, 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 the curtains and, you know, the covering mm-hmm. over the Mishka. And the Mishka itself was Tanamas tall. Okay. So he had to be able to be tall to do that. So we know he was, t- it's brought down, he was 10 amas tall. Also the story of Og, oh, right. it says he was 10 amas, right? right? Yeah. And we know Aaron was short because he had to go upstairs to go to the, to, to the light of the menorah. Mm-hmm. But Rashi says, because it, it, it brings, it says, it, when it talks about Moshe and Aaron, one time it says, who Moshe and Aaron? And then another place it says, who Aaron and Moshe, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, or hey, I don't know the exact words, but it mentions Aaron before Moshe. And what does Rashi say? Rashi says, because they were equal. Mm-hmm. The literal word of school means they weigh the same much. What does it mean they were equal? So the, what it really means is they were all the same stature, meaning Moshe was not greater than Aaron. Aaron was not greater than Moshe. They were both so, so great. Spiritually, yeah, right? They were all, but he, so he answered that because it says they're weighed equal, it has to be in order for Aaron to weigh the same as Moshe, he had to be wider. A little stuck. He had to be stuck. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about their physical weight. <laughs> yeah, and, and everyone around who heard this had uh-huh. laughed. Uh-huh. They thought it was a joke. Uh-huh. And, and the Ritzvah the, the, the who asked the question, said, no, 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 don't laugh. He actually revealed very great secrets of the Torah. Now, I don't know, I don't know if this means that... that the illustration was representing something spiritual mm-hmm. or he actually revealed the, the truth that one was tall and one was short and stocky. He so probably said that for him not to be embarrassed because everybody else left. No, 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 no. Well, first of all, it's a funny joke. Yeah. He was saying, don't think it's a joke. It yeah. actually means something. So whatever the case is, it's a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think of, of Moshe as tall, but you don't think of Aaron as short as and stocky. As short and stocky, yeah. yeah. You really don't think But that. also, it doesn't, I don't know if it means short, mom is short and stocky. It just means he was a little shorter. He was shorter, he was shorter and therefore him. he had to be wider. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have to see the moxer on our own. Yeah. Um, now, the Evan Ezra brings an interesting, he just, an interesting observation that Aaron actually probably had more sons than is mentioned in the Torah. That in the Midbar, he probably throughout he had the time four, he no? had. So it's so Eben Ezra, he he says that he thinks that Aaron had more children. This is just you know an interesting, okay. yeah. Um, and the Ramban says he just mentions about the uh, clothing of the Kohen Gadol. Um, this parsha talks about the clothing, right? What what they wore, what the Gehanim wore when they served in the Mikdash in the Mishkan that they actually all correspond to different types of kingly clothing, royal clothing, right? Mm-hmm. The tzitz was like a crown. All the different things you see is actually royalty would wear that stuff. So, you know, Kohen Gadol in that sense was like a king. Um, and Rabbi Yenis and Apeshit says something very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. The aphoid, which was the apron that the breastplate, the Chesh and Mishpat was on, mm-hmm. so... We had something called the Urim Betumim, the yes. breastplate with the stones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was like the oracle. It would give right. Us it would answer. I mean, Lahavdil, right? right. <laughs> but it would it would answer right in with you know holy, holy you know the, the, the divine uh, spirit would answer. You know what they had was they had a little pocket over here, and they would uh, write an, a question, and they would put it in the pocket, and then it would all light up. Right, right. We have different letters. Exactly. It, fo- it folded. It was, it was folded in half. Right, right. And then the inside, yeah, yeah. So, and then the letters you would have to put together to figure out what it meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why it was very important that learned people were there Learn, to yeah. interpret it the right way. Exactly, exactly. Now, 
but he so he says something very interesting. The Mahavdil, the Goyim had their own version of an aphid of an apron. Really? Yeah. Now originally they made it. He says very interestingly that that they had it was created based on astrology. It had different you know illustrations on it, different things drawn on it, and it wasn't necessarily something impure. It was neutral, right? It was like basically they used okay, it. Okay. They used it to be able to, to to heal certain sicknesses. It was like a, you know something spiritual for them, but not unholy. But he said as time went on, they started to use it in unholy ways. They they started you know kind of using you could say like maybe like magic or or dark, oh. impure forces to to they wanted to figure out what's going to happen in the future, and. Now we're talking about the breastplate, or we're talking no, about no, 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 no. So they had that. So that's the difference. Or we're talking about the apron. The, the apron. They had an apron, okay. and they would. They had on the. It's very interesting. They had something that on the back, there were letters, mm-hmm. and they would do some kind of ritual that would give them answers. But it was from the letters on the back. But we had, number one, it wasn't from the ephod itself, it was from the stones. And the stones are things on, on their own that they shine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was from the front, and it was from holiness. So you just see the difference about when, when they started to try to use this, this thing, this apron that they had for unholy purposes, and, and with, with impure forces. You know, um, so the only way they, it, they, they were able to do was from behind, which is showing that, you know, in... in in Kabbalah, it speaks about a lot about when Hashem is behind everything. Hashem gives power to everything. And even the evil in this world, it can only really get its, its, its life force uh-huh. from holiness. But it, it says in, in, in many places in Kabbalah that it's like someone who's throwing behind their back. They don't, when you give something to someone you love, you give it to them, you smile at them, you look them in the eyes, you in love the face, them. Right. But with you, if you're forced to give something, so to speak, you do it from the you do it from, you, like, I don't want to give it to you, you're reluctant. So Hashem, because there has to be a balance of good and evil, He gives the, the evil whatever life force it is, but it's, but it's reluctant, mm-hmm. so to speak. So you see the absolute wow. contrast between the Eden and, 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 or between holiness and, 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 and impurity. Um, so this is another proof that all these, impu- you know, uh, Unholy things, ma- magics exist. To to again, there's a lot of uh, Fakes, fakers out yeah, there, of course. But there are impure forces, uh, which you know, you know that you know that's the the whole thing. It says about Jewish people. It's not we, we choose the more many times difficult path, but the holy path versus just you know. The easy but the impure path. Yeah, you know, like you, you could technically you could go to some of these places you hear some crazy things. You don't know if it's true or not. You know, in South America they do these crazy magic things. But we're not even. No man, not, they have whole cities underground that do this. Okay, but but what I'm trying to tell you is that whether it's real or not, we would never think of doing that because we we're not here for for, for receiving for taking stuff for this world. We're here for connection to God. I'd rather give up everything and remain. You know, here I'll tell you an amazing story. There was um, Shmuel Munkis. He was a very well-known personality in the Lubavitch Hasidic court. Okay. You know, and, and he, he actually, I think he was in the time of three different rabbis, maybe four rabbis. I don't even remember. But he, he um, his, his house once caught on fire. Oh, wow. Everyone gets out, right? And he's watching. I don't know if he was there or they called him to, whatever. Anyways, he comes and he, at some point they realize the house is gone. And, you know, they're trying to put up... And he stands there and he says, Baruch, he starts saying, Baruch atah. And they think he's about to say, Dayan ha'emes. Right? You make a bracha when something bad happens. And he turns around and he says, Shalei asani goy. You didn't make me a non-Jew. So everyone around thought the guy went crazy. <laughs> His house burns down. He lost everything. He went nuts. But some people who knew him better knew that there was something behind this. So he said, Why did you make a bracha Shalei asani goy? So now in those days, the, you know, I mean, Goyim, they, they, a lot of non-Jews, they were worshipping, uh, even if they weren't doing idol worship, they, they bowed down to crosses, gotcha, whatever, gotcha, right? Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, so he basically said thank you 
for creating me the way I am that I'm not so attached to all these exactly if a, a non-Jew mm -hmm. you know I, I guess it would be ripping his hair off his head no but it's also in his times I think that they, that they were they were probably Christian they were you know so they they, they kissed the cross they gone to the cross whoever they have their statues of. so 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 he said if a non if I were a non-Jew then my God will also be burnt in, in my house mm -hmm. but because I'm a Yid and, I, and I, my God can never be taken away from me, so therefore I haven't lost everything. So even though I've lost all my belongings, and my connection to God is never, never right, affected. Right, right. Yeah, so it's, it's you know, that's, that's what it is. It, it, we, it's not that we can't receive... Because as a Yid, we know that everything in this world was given to us by Him. He but, but, could easily take it away. He could easily give you tenfold. So if you have a Munan, regardless of what happens in this world... No matter how grand and how bad it is, if you have a munah, you know it's coming from him. So at the end of the day, you can't lose your mind because you know it's coming from him. Yeah, yeah. It, the the what it says in 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 Chassidus and what I, I mean, from what I learned in Chassidus, maybe it's it's an, a bigger idea in Kabbalah. I don't know. I don't study straight Kabbalah, but um, it says that that when a when a yid when a Jew sins because he has an neshama. That's when the klipot, the evil forces, get the most life force. Because we, since we possess such a holy neshama, it's a piece of God, right, therefore right. when we sin, they can, that's a much bigger amount of life force. So therefore, they reward the Jew who sins more than anybody else because you're the commission. Right. Right? You got him, you got him, the, you sold a bigger house, you get the more commission, more percentage. Or, or the, the percentage is higher, mm -hmm. is a, a bigger amount. And he says, nevertheless, we don't want to choose to sin. We would rather get it straight from holiness and it might not be as, you know, as rewarding because our real reward is a connection with Hashem. Mm -hmm. It says something so powerful. It says that a Jew, a Jew never would really knowingly disconnect himself from God. Therefore, you'll see that even when you see a Jew who outwardly doesn't have any connection to Judaism, to Torah, Right, he he never like he he does, he won't even go to Shalom Yom Kippur. He'll eat pork, God forbid. Right? If you tell him to renounce his Judaism, it's happened. It's happened in in, in the past. He won't. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, it's been they gave up their life. They gave up their life. They said, "No, I'm not." Why? We, you didn't you didn't haven't lived your life as a Jew. Doesn't matter. At this point, that touches a point where it's like I cannot disconnect myself from God. And. And so how do we sin in general? Because we tell ourselves that, no, this is, I'm not really disconnecting from God. Uh -huh. So that's what it is. It's not, it's not that we, we knowingly we'd never do it. We just tell ourselves, ah, whatever, I looked at that, uh, well, you know, piece of cake. <laughs> the Big illusion deal. got him, basically. <laughs> you know, nothing, you know, it talks about in one of the, one of the precious, precious Akev, right? That when people, there are certain um, sins that a person, they, they step on it with their heel. Like they make it like it's nothing. Okay. So we do that all on our own level, and we, we all have our areas where we can improve and, you know, not fool ourselves. Um, now, Rabbi Anderson Apes says something else. The Sefer, that, 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 that um, actually the clothing of the Kohen Vadal was created from, out of, through Kabbalah, through Sefer Yitzira. Meaning, they, they fashioned it not out of the actual materials, mm -hmm. but it, spiritually. So what happened to all the gold and the tcheles, the blue wool that they gave for it? So he said, because they went and took the, made the effort, it's not a simple thing to do. So since they went and made the effort to create these clothing out of, from the Tzifri Yitzira, so therefore their reward was the wool and the gold that was given mm -hmm. for the making of it. Anyway, it was just an interesting idea that these were actually spiritual clothing. It weren't even really... Uh, Fashion from physical properties. That actually reminds me. I don't know if you mentioned it la last week. Yeah. But all the gold that we received. Mm -hmm. I think we did mention it. But all the gold that we received while we were in Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, you remember when the first miracle happened, you know, when the Nile turned into um, blood. They were given, we, we received a lot of money. Afterwards... Mm -hmm. When there was total darkness, we took the uh, we took a lot of gold. All of that gold went into 
impure things. We made the golden calf with mm. it. So why? Because all that gold came to us in a negative way. But the gold that we received after the Yamsav, after uh, these waves were throwing out all these stones and all the uh, all the uh, silver and gold, all of that went to the Mishkan, because this came in a pure way. Because as we know, if you find something on the beach and there's no owner, it's purely yours. There's no negative way. We received it in a positive way. So, right. And so therefore, it only went to the Mishkan. And it was all blessed. All the copper, silver, gold, everything, everything we got from there. Yeah. It was, it came to us in a positive way, in a pure way. It's incredible. I really, I, I'm telling you, one of these days, it'll happen. I'll, I'll pick up the Zeresh Mishon. <laughs> it's beautiful. It goes so deep. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so now we're coming to the stones, mm-hmm. to the different stones that were on the breastplate on the chesed. Mm-hmm. There were there were twelve stones 12, for the twelve, 12 shvatim. Tribes. Yes, and um, it also talks about the stones the that the third Beit Hamikdash is going to be built with. Okay. So it's there was a huge um, well, the, the, two different opinions. On which stones it will be built with. Say the parasha, talk, the, 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 Midr- the Midrash. Zereshim Shon talks about it. Oh, okay. So there was a huge uh, machloket between which stone it will be built in. And the conclusion came to that it would be built of onyx because that was the representation of, of uh, well, Yosef. Well, which, one, which, which stone is that in Hebrew? Uh, the Shoham? Yeah. Shoham, right. And the second was Jasper. Which was represented by, by Benjamin. So that was that, that was, was the, the red one. The, Yash, the Yashve. Yashve, yeah. Okay. So these are the two stones that the third Beit Hamikdash that is going to be built in, and the reason for it is because the first two Beit Hamikdashes that we had, we couldn't fully receive the mercy of Hashem, because it would be hypocritical. Because we, as other Shefetim, we are the ones who sold Yosef mercilessly. And he begged for mercy, yeah. And he begged for mercy. We, we, we disregarded him. So therefore, in the first two uh, Beit HaMikdashes that we had, we didn't receive the full mercy. In the third one, we'll receive full mercy because it will be represented by the two stones of the two brothers that were not part of the sin. Wow. Um, now, okay, now we're talking about the different stones. There are some things that Rabbeinu Bechaya, Rabbeinu Bachaya, I never know how to pronounce it, um, talks about, he, t- he talks about the different stones. I'm not going to mention all of them, but a good amount. Um, so, Odem, right, in the Sefer I was learning from the Eitzir Place of Terra, it says it seems that might be the ruby, okay. ruby stone. It says it's actually... All the stones have sgulas. They have like special spiritual energies that can help. Oh, I remember um, learning about this. So ruby, that's the one that we're not sure about, I right, believe. Right. So I'm saying it says it might be a ruby. So it might be a ruby or it might be a, garm, a garnet. Oh, garnet. Okay, okay. So garnets, and the reason, and, and I remember vaguely that there was an opinion on why they say it's a garnet. Hmm. Because garnet had the properties of women who are barren, they would say oh. that you should wear a garnet. Because so, that's that what it says it makes here. Makes you fertile. It makes you know. Number one, it, it helps to, to avoid uh, miscarriage, uh-huh. and it also they say if if you if you grind it and mix it into foods, it'll actually help with right. um, pregnancy. And, uh-huh, and, uh, uh-huh. So so that's very interesting. Okay, so I remember that vaguely. I was learning about it about three or four years ago. My wife is gonna like this episode because her favorite stone is garnet. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, now, uh, the next one is Pitida. And it's very interesting. So, so that one was for... Oh, and it's... Sorry. Adam also... It was given to Shevet Reuven. He, what did he bring his mother? He brought his mother Dudaim. Right. Which was good, also good for, for birth. For fertility. So it was kind of like, you know, uh-huh, had to do with uh-huh. that. Represents him. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. You see all these different... Connections the, between them. Yeah, the Pitida... It's, I don't know what color it is, but it actually says it's a stone that cools down the body. And it says that's why it's found in, in, in a kush. I think that means Africa. 
where basically it's very hot there and also the people there, at least once upon a time, uh, um, probably today also, were also very, um, they, were, they engaged in immoral actions. So um, that, like, you know, can cool them down. It's very interesting. It says, Stufi Zima, right? They're, they're... Anyway, a very interesting idea that there's it a... It doesn't say the color? Uh, maybe it did. I forgot to write it down. I don't it think had it to did. be a pearl. You think so? Uh, well, my opinion. I mean, pearl I is in a stone, thing. though. Pearl is in a stone. Yes, but pearl was also a representative... Uh, I remember reading something about it, and it says something about full moon has a, has a huge effect on anybody that wears pearls. Full moon, yeah. Really? Yeah, I remember learning something about it vaguely a long time ago. Wow. So, it, and as a matter of fact, pearl is a type of a uh, is a type of a gemstone that it takes uh, the wearer. Uh, it takes about seven or eight months for you to feed it energy, and after seven eight months, then it reflects energy back to you so are we so yeah, it's, I wanna... it's, it's like all these mystical things that talks about different stones of have, have different uh, uh, radi they radiate different types of energy so there's actually something I'm gonna touch upon later which is like how these things work and and if it will work or won't work depending on a person's you know where he is holding in life or whatever right. but mm -hmm. um, barekes is, is another one that was given to Levi and it's and it, it it's very it shines a lot to the point where you can even it says you might be able to use it like a, the same way you use a candle. So it's a diamond. It has to be a diamond. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure, but okay. Who knows, right? And and um, and it was given to Levi because Levi also they shined forth with Terra. So therefore, and it, and also, um, it says that if you were to to grind this stone up and you eat it, it would actually open up the mind and the heart. To be able to, really? to, yeah, to grasp more. And it doesn't say what color the stone was? If it did, I didn't. I, I think I would have written it down. Okay. Again, this is in the, in the Safer I Learned. So right, it's right. not that, I'm sure, you know, people do your research if you want to know about this. Okay, this um, is pretty cool. Yeah, so it's, it just, it was, again, it Levi shined the Torah. The Torah is, is like light also. So that's why it was given to them. And Neufech, I believe, is the... The, uh, it's, the has a very interesting segula, very interesting omen, which is that it it it's a segula that your enemies will run away from you, turn their back, and turn around. Wow. So noifech comes from the word technically of of like v'nahafech or an other, right? That it, it to flip, to turn around, so that and 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 this was given to Shevet Yehuda, and Shevet Yehuda was always uh, okay. very very um, uh, dominant dominant in war, right? So again, you see how it it's it doesn't say the color either. Don't ask me about the color. If I don't say it, it means I didn't write it down. Nah. <laughs> um, now, Sapir. Sapir apparently is Sapphire. Sapphire. That was given to Yisachar. Why? Yisachar, they were great in Torah. Yisachar, even Zvulun, right? Yisachar were the ones right, who were in right, Torah. Right. So they were very, very, they were giants in Torah. And, and also... So Levi didn't get this stone. Levi got some other stone. No, they also got one. That, the light of the Torah. I guess it represents different ways they excelled in Torah, whatever that means. Okay. Um, and uh, so it says that this stone is good for the eyes and also it's, it's good for... Um, Learning Torah. For refua. It's, it, it says it's healing for aches and for swelling. Okay. So it, and also Torah, what does it say? Torah is both. Torah, Miras, right? I think uh, it says Torah lights up the eyes and also it's a refuah. Torah is a refuah until to the point where the Gemara says if someone has a headache, learn Torah. Um, and just I want to say we see with, with many of our, our great Chachamim of, of the, you know, Tzadikim and our, um, that, that they, they, when they got through the most difficult points in their life, through learning Torah. I mean, when, when I think the Rambam, I think he lost his brother and then he lost it. I think he lost a wife at some point. And the entire time, the only thing that brought him any comfort was learning Torah. He just dealt. So Torah is, an, it really is an incredible healing. Um, a perfect for, example would be uh, David Amelech. When mm -hmm. he, he escaped, he runs away from Shaul Amelech. Mm -hmm. When Yonatan tells him run away, does this and right. that? He runs away. He he comes to the city of Kohanim, 
hungry, they feed him, and then he has to run away from there. And where does he run away from there to? To Shiloh. He takes the sword of, of Goliath, which is a humongous sword, mm. and he comes to Shiloh. And the first thing he does is, who does he go to? Uh, Shmuel. And Shmuel sees him and he says, listen, put your sword away. I finally see you. Come, we need to learn. And for all night, for almost three days, all they did was learn about how the, how the Beit HaMikdash is supposed to be when it's built. That's all they learned. So he comes to him to, to explain to him, to tell him that Shaul HaMelech is chasing him. He basically came to complain to him. And he tells him, put all, all everything, all the politics, put everything aside right now. Mm. I don't care what's happening. Come, we need to learn right now. I finally have an opportunity to sit down and learn with you. I need to bestow on you what is needed from you. So you're going to learn about the Beit HaMikdash. Right, wow. Wow, it's... And it says that that's when uh, uh, David Amelech got his very first prophecy. Wow, wow, wow. That's incredible. I, I gotta, I gotta go through uh, Navi again. Yeah, it was. It, it's Stories. amazing. Yeah, we were crying with my brothers when we were learning about this. <laughs> we were all in tears. That's David Amelech's story is 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 a is a very harsh one. Oh yeah. man, he went through so much hardship. But it's also like the, the ultimate, like, I think, I think in a way, Yosef and David Amalek are one of the most relatable characters in Torah. For me, at least, because like the struggle of life was something they went yeah. through, you know, the ups and downs. If and you have siblings, you could definitely relate to Yosef. <laughs> I mean, I don't uh, think any of us got No, so I don't mean, I'm not talking about the selling and, and the cruelty. No, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm saying in general. Mm. If you have siblings, you could understand what it means to fight and make up. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, hundred um, percent. Now you have Yahalim. Now I think I think in like modern Hebrew, Yahalim means like a diamond. So this might be I don't I don't know I really don't know anything about the stones. Um, personally, I think that even any 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 observation. Like sapphire is probably sapphire, but I'm so like, I haven't done enough research to say that I know what any of these things, these things are. So it's a little elusive, and I'll tell you saying, why I yeah, say like, that. It is because it is. I know for sure. Uh, we know from Abraham Avinu, he had a green stone that was for healing. You know what? So it's crazy. So I just read that the Hassam Sofer used to carry around a green, a green stone. stone. So that stone was for healing. Wow. So I remember that perfectly. So now you're talking about a sapphire being a healing stone. Wait a minute. Are we talking about something Well, it, else? Could, it could be healing for different things. For like, different things. Like yeah, already sure. here, we, we saw one is for fertility. One is for aches and swelling. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, now, so the Yahalom was, it's, it's, it says it's white, like money is white. I guess like silver is like on the white side if you're going to give it to any color, I guess. And it says that that is the sign for the wealth of Zavulun. Zavulun was, was, were very successful. They were the ones who would, you know, go travel and were very, uh, would do a lot of business. Right, right, right. Um, and it's something very interesting. It says that the skula that it has, it has an effect on people. It'll, 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 it'll um, it brings a person, it makes a person sleepy. Which stone is this again? The Yahalom. So it's very interesting. I, I, this is this is not. I don't. I haven't seen it anywhere. I just something that I I studied this literally today. But I think maybe maybe you could be like money can make you sleep, meaning it could put your soul to sleep. You could it it could you take your mind idea. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it could make but your mind go away yeah, from God yeah. if you're not careful. Because you're occupied with 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 Parnassa. So it's kind of interesting. The school is going to sleep, and it's kind of like almost like maybe you could say that it's like a a little warning, like. Don't let money make your neshama go to sleep. Don't, don't let it distance you from Hashem and from Torah and mitzvahs. Um, now, all this was said by Rabbeinu Bechaya. The Midrash Talpiyos talks about the, I think it's pronounced Loshem, this, this stone. The Shalti Agiburim, I heard you mention that he also brings it down. The Zerash Mishnah brings, brings this, uh, this person, the Shalti Agiburim, the Sefer. That it said 
uh-huh. that if a person had this stone, if a, it's, it's stones, they shine. If a person had a sickness that was, um, I think it's called terminal sickness. Okay. I mean, they're going to die from right, right? right. Uh-huh. So a person, if a person has a terminal sickness, it actually loses its light. It, get, it darkens. Really? Yeah, it's 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 almost like it's mourning for its for for the for the for its owner, and then if once it goes to another person who's healthy, it once again starts to shine. Then that has to be a pearl. <laughs> but a pearl isn't a stone. That's why it doesn't make sense. It's from the ocean. That's true too. Um, and then um, it also says that on the other hand, it, it can strengthen a weak heart. So a person can have a weak heart, but he's not dying. It'll strengthen his. It'll strengthen a weak heart, and it helps with with anxiety, and it it, it adds in in happiness. It, it's good for the health of the eyes, and even says it brings hatzlacha, it brings uh, success to a person in general. So that's a stone <laughs> that I want. <laughs> Maybe it's a tanzanite. Tanzanite is that? Yeah, you think it's? A, does it sound like? A, it's like bluish. Uh, it's like purplish bluish color. It's in between a sapphire and and like a purple stone. Mm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Oh, so now, Reino Bechaya says, though, it's almost like a disclaimer. He says, the thing about these stones is that it requires purity. Meaning, if a person is involved in impure things, not only will this not help him, it could be that it will make it worse. Because these are spiritual energies, and the stone spiritual energies are drawn towards purity, not impurity. So it's a very interesting thing that there's like a clause here. It's like, don't rely, like you have to, a, a pure person will be able to benefit from these things. Mm-hmm. Um, now the clay paz, this is a, another shafer says, that all of the stones in Eretz Yisrael have some kind of school, have some kind of omen, have some spiritual energy. And when Mashiach comes, it's going to be revealed. And that's why they're actually called Avni Chefetz, they're called stones of, of desire. They're not called just precious stones because they actually can bring a person the desire they want. The different stones can, can allow a person to have the desires they want. Wow. Obviously, ko- yeah, yeah. Obviously, kosher desires, but uh, yeah. You know, we are not the only culture that believes in all this. Oh, for sure not. I mean, this You know, is... Indians, like Hinduism, you know, they, they strongly believe in the power of different the gemstones. Well, I mean, they have uh, their they have a yeah. bit I mean, they're yeah, but the, 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 it's the opposite. The, it's the yeah. impure, impure. Forces. But just like you said, impure. It could all of these things could be used in impure ways. I don't know about this. Well, I guess I guess any energy in this world can be used for unfortunately impure not ways. good things. Yeah, that's one hundred percent true. Um, okay, so now we're gonna talk about. Um, how the, the the names of the Shvatim were written on the stones. Mm-hmm. So, in in Meseches Gitin and in Meseches Saita, two different Meseches in the Gemara, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote with ink on the stones, and then he put the Shamir worm. Shamir worm was a worm, very, very interesting. It, nothing, no solid, no solid stone could stand in its way. So, that's that's actually how they cut the stones. We mentioned it last week. That's how they cut the stones for the base of Mikdash because you weren't allowed to use any uh, metal uh-huh. when it came to building the base of Mikdash. It had to be done in a quiet way. There was supposed to be no banging of any metal. Right, and in a peaceful way also. Mm-hmm. So um, he says that he wrote it. He wrote the letters with ink, and then he put the shamir on top of it, and the shamir carved it in. Mm-hmm. Um, Laser-like precision. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the we also mentioned the, the short story of I mean we didn't say the story but of Shlomo Hamelach how he got the how he got the Shamir he had to go and enlist the help of uh, the king of the demons Ashmedai mm-hmm. uh, I think you're not supposed to say his name whatever but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but for learning purposes we could definitely talk about I guess yeah and and then and then he in order to get the secret of how to get the worm there's a certain bird who would who would um, who would, who Protected. was in, char- in charge of like keeping it? Who knew you know, where the Shemir where. was? So, so, it, so, what did they do? They took a piece of glass and put it on top of the nest of the 
of the bird. So he couldn't. So he feed couldn't his, get. Yeah, he, he couldn't, couldn't get, feed his uh, chicks. Right, he couldn't get his kids. So now what does he do? The only way to get to, to remove it or to get through is the shamir. So they tricked him into bringing the shamir, and the moment he brought it, they took the shamir, and uh, I think the the bird uh, killed itself because and like, they put it they put it in a box made of cloth inside. Oh, so this yes. is the thing. So here, if 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 it can break through anything, so how how in the world were they able to store it? It could escape easily. So it says that they had to put it inside of wool, wrapped in wool, mm-hmm. inside of a box of lead uh-huh, uh-huh. with um, the bran of barley. So the outside, uh, like the, 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 the outside shell of barley, which I guess all these things somehow ensured that it couldn't get out. I don't know how. I mean, the wool obviously softens. It makes it harder to move. And the lead, I guess, is made different. Whatever it is, it's very interesting how, you know, they had to keep it under yeah yeah it's you know, insane yeah yeah very very cool i mean think about what lead is what is lead i, I don't know so if you have anything enclosed in lead x-rays don't penetrate it mm. they can't see through it so what is wool uh, you know why we're not allowed to wear a shot wool and linen right they say now they found out. Well, it's really a hike. It's really... No nobody reason. really has an answer. Okay. But science now explains that when you have wool and linen um, stitched together, already stitched, you know, made together, mm-hmm. um, it gives off a small radiation and could cause a lot of different cancers. No way! Yes, they, they, that's what they're saying. I need to see that stuff. Yeah. I need to see that study. Apparently, marble also gives off a, a small amount of radiation. Okay, so that's weird. Yeah. Marble, you know, the stone marble? Yeah, but we're not wearing marble. <laughs> so I guess like... So, so it gives off a, a small right. uh, amount of radiation. That's cr- I want to see so, that study. So it goes to show you wool, lead, and then something else. That means he was like, you know, he, he was pure energy. Shamir was pure energy. Yeah, yeah, anything, everything. You understand what I mean? It was, it was, it was yeah. it's just crazy. Wow, so it was like a very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I wonder what the barley husks are for, though. That's weird. They're also some sort of radiation or, so, or something like that. Oh, who knows? Wow. Okay. <clears throat> now, okay, so here's something very interesting. It says about the me'il that the hem around the, 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 the neckline, right? The, I forgot what you call it. It should be reinforced. It had to be reinforced so it can't tear. Okay. So it mentions that there's, it actually says that what the Kohen Gadol would go into the Kedosh HaKadoshim to do the Aveda, the Satan would come and try to, and would grab him by his neck. So in order for it, and it can't tear, so in order for it not to tear, it was reinforced. So there's a few questions here. Number one, the satan can't tear a reinforce. Like, oh, the satan's going to come. This, you know, mm-hmm. he can't tear a, through a, a little bit of extra reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So the answer is that because Hashem says in the Torah that it has to be reinforced and it can't rip, it says, lo yikarea. So therefore, the satan already has no more power. Okay. But there's a bigger question here. The Kohen Gadol doesn't go into the Kedosh HaKadoshim with the Me'il. Right. He only goes with the four white clothing. Right. So... What, how would this... How uh, does one connect with the other? Right. So, you say, so it's very interesting. It's brought down... I forgot to write, who, write down who writes this. That actually they made a separate me'il. This is a very, very big chiddush. Something you don't see. It doesn't say it anywhere. Okay. In the Pasuk, I'm saying. That they actually made a separate me'il that was white. And it also had, you know, some kind of bell hanging, whatever it is. It, it said it had pa'amaynim. And it was white. And he would go with that into the Kedusha Kedusha. So that one, the reinforcement was in order so the satan shouldn't, shouldn't be able to, to tear. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, but... Because but it, he, he would only go there, go in there on Yom Kippur, which right. was once a year. Okay. But when he's going in there to ask those questions, then he would have to wear the reinforced garments that come with it. When he goes in... Not to ask the questions, to, to do the Aveda. Right. When he goes into the question to do the Aveda... He, he, uh, yeah, I'm saying he, he, would, he would need the reinforced meal. But, but it wasn't colored and didn't have gold in it because the whole reason why he didn't go into the Kedoshim with gold is because not to remind of the Cheta Egel, which was made out of gold. I don't think he had, I, uh, he only went into Kedoshim 
once a year. That was it. No exception. He did okay. go once a year, but he wouldn't go in with the extra clothing the Kohen Gadol wore. Of course he can. Because that's what I'm saying. So this Me'il... It's not allowed. So, yeah. this, so it seems that he went in with the fifth layer of clothing. According to this Chiddush, he went with the fifth layer of clothing, but it was white. Okay. And it was made out of uh, bad, made out of cotton, and not out of... Uh, Linen. Yeah, whatever. I forget. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't made out of the gold and the other other right because yeah. Hashem doesn't want gold on, on that day exactly gold reminds him of of, of the sin we committed with, uh, with the, the golden calf yeah. right. so, so that's that's the that's that answers the question he had a meal that was reinforced for that purpose but it was white mm-hmm. it's very interesting because it's like the spiritual and the and the physical meeting up you know mm-hmm. in the day of a, a crazy battle yeah <laughs> but basically at the end of the day it says basically Hashem forbids the satan to metal you know, metal in, in that thing. Mm-hmm. Metal in our uh, Day of Atonement. Um, now, Rabbi Chaim, Rabbi Chaim Palaji writes that there was a, so the one who I, did, I didn't see the name of the author of this book he's about to mention, but the, the author of Shevet, the Shevet Musar, there's an interesting story with him mm-hmm. <laughs> that there was, he got up in the middle of the night to learn, and as is customary, he wanted to put on a belt when you learn when you dominate right? you put on a yeah okay yeah see and it was it was too dark for him to see that instead of picking up his belt around him he, he looked around he found the snake he picked up the snake uh-huh and he put it around him and he put it i mean we're mentioning the story because it's loosely there was a belt as part of the clothing mm-hmm. of the kahanan so it, the safer brought down the story i thought it was very interesting he picks up this this uh the snake and puts it around him like a belt he doesn't realize and the snake, after a while, started to wiggle. He untangled himself and just walked away without hurting him. Okay. So it was a miracle that this, this snake didn't do anything to him. And that's because, obviously, what a holy man he was. And it says, actually, that afterwards... Well, I'm guessing his name was Eliyahu. Rebbe Eli, I'm saying his first name was Eliyahu because it says... People say that because of this story, he wrote the Sefer, um, Ezer Eliyahu. Ezer means t- to gird. Right, when we say the bracha in the morning, Hashem girds us with, uh, with strength. To gird, to fortify, so that the, the fortification, the, the, the girding of Eliyahu. It's like, you know, it was, it was, it, that Savior was in tribute and thanks to the miracle that Hashem made for him. So it's an interesting story. You know, someone, uh, I, I think I actually heard a story of a chassid who did it, the same thing happened to him. He just like, looked around for a guard, something to, to, you know, to, to, put, to, to, to wrap around for a gartel, and it happened to be a snake. And after he was done dominating the snakes, and then it slithered away. Very it actually reminds me of, uh, there was a Rav, I'm not sure where in Europe it was, but uh, women would refuse to go to a mikvah, because in that mikvah was a humongous snake. And everybody that would dip into the mikvah would get bitten by a snake. Uh, yeah. And so they came to, to the elder men and to all the Ravs, uh, to the to the Kotal, I believe. And they, they're asking, what are we supposed to do? You know, women want to go. And then one of the big Ravs got up and he said, you know what? I don't believe it. I think that all the people that are trying to go there are very sinful people. In other words, it's not the snake that kills the pe- person. It's the sin that kills a person. Well, that's what happened in the, and so he the wanted, Midbar. And so he wanted to prove it to them. They, they didn't believe it. So he went in there. He went into the mikvah, he came out, and the snake uh, wrapped around his leg, bit him, and died itself. And mm. he came back with the snake on his foot <laughs> to show them that, look, it's not the... So the snake died. <laughs> right. It's not the snake that kills the people, it's the sin it's that the kills sin. the people. That's, that's, that's the... I don't know how this relates, but for some reason I remember snake. that. Yeah, snake. <laughs> okay, now the last thing we're going to bring is from the Rebbe. Um, it's a short thing. It's it's a it's a it's a chiddush the Rebbe is bringing over here. Very interesting. It says in Maseches Menachos in, in in the Gemara that a kohen who whoever served for God forbid of a Zara, he's not allowed to serve in the Beis Hamikdash. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. You, yeah, serve, yeah. you can't serve in Hashem's holy place when you serve the Zara. Not you, God forbid. You know, but anyone. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So. The question is, Aaron, even though, of course, he did it for the right reasons, why did he go and help them with, with do, doing the Egel Azov? He didn't want them to actually worship the golden calf, but 
he he built the mizbeach in order to to stall for time. So he took his right. time. He did it so that hoping that Moshe Rabbeinu would come down. But at the end of the day, he was involved in some way with Avodah Zarah. So how could he not be Kohen Gadol? But the only the only one that knows his intentions are is Hashem. So first of so all, how can you disprove that? Is it's, a it's a we obviously know that Aaron Akayan would never do a hundred percent did it for the highest reasons possible. So it's not a question of 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 Aaron's character. Like we said before, he was just as great as Moshe. Right. But at the end of the day, halachically, he was involved. How do you get around the halacha? So the Rebbe says, very simple. The halacha, it says that he became a kohen after he was not a kohen before. Right. It says clearly in the Pasuk that he became a, he became a kohen after the whole process uh-huh. of, of the Mishka. Uh-huh. Okay, so okay. therefore, a kohen could only, only becomes puzzle by doing, by doing the, 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 the by, by, by serving by the Zara or being involved in it, if he's a Kayan. Uh-huh. But Aaron Akayan, he was never a Kayan before. A coin yet. So therefore, yeah, it didn't okay, apply. Okay. From when he became a Kayan, he never was involved in a Vedazara. Right, right. So therefore, his status of Kayan, of being a Kayan, didn't exist in exactly. the time when he was. Okay, so it. therefore, there was no problem. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what he says. Anyway, there is so much more in the Parsha. I, I, it's like, I'm getting uh, excited because I, I was just skimming through. There's this. It's every parsha, you know, including this parsha, is filled with, with secrets and filled with incredible treasures. So, don't don't just stop here. Please, after you watch this, if you got to the end, first of all, you're a legend. Go and read up some <laughs> read, read up some more. Really do it. it it's 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 like we said it earlier. Torah is healing. It it brings so much simcha. It brings so much joy into your life. Please do it. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you uh, watching us. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, hopefully you found this informative and entertaining. Uh, smash that like button. It's and, free. Uh, we will uh, definitely see you next week. Good Shabbos. Happy Purim. This is the last uh, oh, episode yeah. before Purim. That's so, right. Um, Happy Purim. Have a very uh, joyful Purim. Have fun. And hopefully it will be meaningful. And make a kula. That's a somersault. (laughs) Yes. Good Chavez.